0: Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host Steve Diamond, Yellow, and Larry Correa. Whoever
1: said the pin is mightier than the sword obviously never encountered automatic weapons.
0: Today's episode, independent publishing and running a small press.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Glad to have you all back with us today uh, in our never-ending series of interviews with people that we've... Uh, kidnapped at LibertyCon. Uh, we got a we got a fun special guest for you today. A, you know, a friend of ours. Um, you know, a guy we've written for.
1: All that kind of jazz. Uh, One of the original alpha readers for Monster Hunter
3: International. Yeah, like I I'm- actually still have the actual the first document you sent out
1: proto Goodness. version Word document.
3: You should just start
2: printing it out and selling it on the street.
3: <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, if,
2: if, if maybe, I don't know maybe, maybe you know the voice, maybe you don't uh, We could play a dating game with it, I guess But um, <laughs> here we go we've, we've, got, we've got Law Dog We've got our man Law Dog in the house So, Hello. hey man, thanks so much for joining us today I, We appreciate it We know schedules are kind of wonky During Liberty Con As I, I mean, basically what's going on Is we either say, okay, show up really early Or really late because in the middle we've got no time.
3: I thought the straight jacket was a nice touch.
1: Good, good, good. I mean, I've stitched them all by hand myself. Well, we tried to black bag Mike Massa, and that just did not work.
2: No, I've got a black
1: guy. That that was like that was like trying to wrestle a rhinoceros. So
3: angry, angry rhinoceros.
2: All right. So with this episode, uh, as we always do when we have guests on, the, the first goal is to let you listeners kind of get a feel for who our guest is so ian if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to everybody uh talk about who you are where you came from kind of what got you into writing and and ultimately you know we want to get into what led you to being crazy and <laughs> becoming a publisher
3: <laughs> right um my name ian mcmurtry uh, a lot of folks know me as lodog um i think it's fairly common knowledge i was born overseas born in malta Uh, My father was an oil engineer, and my mother was an art teacher, both Americans. Um, And at the time that I was hatched, (laughs) my father was in Libya, and it wasn't quite as safe for the ladies as one might hope. So he, he left mom in Malta while he was working oil down in Libya, and mom suddenly came up pregnant, as happens for newlyweds. And I got dumped on an unsuspecting world in the late 60s. Uh, Dad followed the oil, oil patch through Africa. So we went to, if there was oil in Africa, we wound up there sooner or later. And the thing about African culture, particularly in the 60s and 70s, it's a very verbal culture. Storytelling is very, very, a very strong part of African culture. So I grew up in Middle Eastern culture. Grew up around a lot of storytellers and had a lot of, of storytellers to learn from. And it just came very naturally from telling stories to writing them down. And He's pointing guy, at me. Big <laughs> guy over there. Uh, we were on a uh, firearms um, bulletin board, the oh, firing yes. line.
2: Yes, the infamous firing line at this point, right?
3: And uh, it was getting too serious one, one day. It was getting too serious. So I just threw up this story about an armadillo that I had an encounter with. And the reaction was off the charts. Uh, it was, oh, my God. So I would start, I started putting up these stories of just what I'd done in law enforcement. And honestly, God, most of them are true. <laughs> People don't believe that. Most of them are true. Small-town law enforcement. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, would, I started putting them up. And friends, Larry among them, said, hey, you should start a blog. So I, about 2009, I said, what the hell? Pull a trigger on a blog. And I would I collect all my stories, wrote more. Uh, I say honed my craft, but I was dinking around. And I was relieving stress. It was, it, was easier, it was easy to relieve stress after a, a 12-hour shift to come home and write about funny things, you know, the, the humorous aspects. And um, at Liberty Con, actually, the first LibertyCon I came to, Larry and Bridget suckered me into coming out. Uh, I blame a lot on Larry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do too. It's fine.
2: It's There's fine. a, recurring, a
1: recurring recurring motif in the careers oh of gosh. a lot of people I know. Oh my so, gosh.
2: Uh, Did you know I never once swore before I met Larry? <laughs> never once. That's a never once.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, That's a lie.
3: Yes. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't I don't handle people. I don't handle people well. And Collins, frankly, at the time, back in the two thousands scared the crap out of me. But Larry and Bridget said, you've got to come out to Liberty Con. got to come to Liberty Con. You're going to like it. I came out to Liberty Con and met Larry and Bridget for the first time in the paint. I'd known him for both of them for ages, but met him for the first time in the paint. And on the way home, I wound up with a, uh, a contract for collections of my stories. And so it's like, I'm not a published author. Um, first one, Larry book bombed. And yes, number one in the broad humor category on Amazon uh, for about 3.2 seconds.
1: I do miss book bombs, though. Those were wonderful. We beat
3: out Al Franken. That was my only thing. I was watching the numbers, and it was Milo Yiannopoulos and Al Franken. And when I got past Al Franken, it's like, yes, I could die happy. Um, Got to number 82 or 84 in all of Amazon. Yep. It It was great. So... Tootling along, I'm now an author, uh, writing books, having some issues with that publisher. Um, and I, I went I went kind of cold for a while. I was writing short stories for folks. And um, so, John Hayden, um, old congoer, uh, very much a, a pot stirrer, um, showed up in Wichita County. Yes, I know she's behind me. <laughs> showed up in Wichita County, and she dared me to do something. I had written... Somebody had asked me what, what would have happened if the Nazis had been smart and invaded Malta instead of Crete during World War II. Well, I'm a very proud Maltese... Malt, you know, I'm du- dual nationality, very proud Maltese citizen. And I started... You know, you have no idea how fortified Malta is. You have no idea about... That. I started this long Facebook thread about what would have happened and why it would have happened this way. And as part of it, um, these folks... You know, you need you need to do short stories. You need to have an anthology about this. that nobody's going to write stories for an anthology of mine. Now, it, uh, nobody knows me. I've had two books you know two granted well-selling books and a whole bunch of um short stories but nobody's going to read an anthology you'll want to put out and give me a story from an anthology took jonna to uh, lunch and she dared me she said get on facebook right now and see how many people will sign up to say if i do an anthology how many people will send me a story and don't look at your phone till the end of the meal, and tell me what you got. And I said, okay, whatever. I was figuring, I told her, I was figuring, okay, we'll get about nine or ten re- responses, and of those nine to ten, two or three will actually send in stories. And she said, uh-huh. Because <laughs> um, if you know Johnny, you, you, you can see the big blue eyes when she goes, uh-huh. So we had some very nice chicken fried steaks, and then... As, as I told her what I do, do, I opened up my Facebook, and there were 26 people wanting to write stories for a Malta anthology.
2: She's correcting you. She's saying 36. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a couple backseat drivers in the house today, too. There Just were lar-
3: There were a large number of people that, and I was figuring a third to a half would actually, would actually send in stories. And of those stories, half of those would be actually something you'd want to put no no, my one anthology for Malta turned into four. Along come the second one, and Courtney is... is uh, C.V. Walter. Uh, Courtney is banging around, and I'm talking to Courtney and Jonna, and they, and Courtney says, you, you have enough for a publishing house. You know that, right? No, I don't. I, no, I don't. I do not have enough for a publishing house. So Courtney dares me... She says, put out a, say you're going to do two more anthologies and see how many responses you get. I was dumb enough, I took the dare. Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, I believe at this time, currently, we started in January. This is now June. Um, We have Raconteur Press, which I went ahead and, and, and formed, with Courtney as my, Chief editor, because if I was going to have the pain, she was going to share it. Mm, (laughs) And then (laughs) Jonah, smart, smart, smile, yes, Yes. Jonna because we're. I tell people that the inside of my head is a bunch of squirrels. They're highly caffeinated and at a rave, and as long as everybody's dancing to the same beat of music, I can form coherent lines of thought. But sooner or later, one of the squirrels will lose his glow stick, and it devolves into utter chaos, with squirrels crying in the corner. And so, Jana, who has a lot of practice at wrangling various cats, became our production manager to keep us online line and make sure that we are, in fact, wearing pants. Oh, good.
2: <laughs> I hear that's important. <laughs> I'm not. An, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure I believe it, but I hear it's important.
3: Oh, and then. <laughs> After um, Jonna came on, it's Cedar, it's Cedar Sanderson mm-hmm. had shown up, and she was doing these little coloring books with me. Uh, adult coloring books. Very, these are very adult coloring books. Um, where she takes some of my stories and um, does you know, stuff people can, can draw. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the stuff, and I was thinking, we really need the in-house graphics person. And there's one in town, Cedar, in-house graphics person. And she went, what? You're drafted. That's what we do here. We got to, we our <laughs> one of our first conventions was FinCon, mm-hmm. where we actually showed up as Raconteur Press. So you got me, you've got Courtney and Cedar and Jonna. And I was, it was a convention. There were a lot of people breathing my air. Yeah. And I was at a high hover, as Jim Curtis says. And the first day I was there, I'm zipping around, uh, as Jonathan says, walking very stabbity. And Cedar says, have you had something to eat? I said, no. She says, get something to eat. I said, okay, and lost my glow stick. And Courtney (laughs) says about an hour later, have you had something to eat? I said, no. She says, get something to eat. I said, that's a good idea, and lost my glow stick. And then Jonna said, have you had something to eat? And I said, oh, and this time she wouldn't let me lose my glow stick. So I called them the three moms of the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was getting mothered the entire time, which actually helped things a lot because I didn't starve to death. That's Um, good. This this is good.
2: In our our Writer Dojo 2.0 episode... Uh, it was determined that uh, in order for my wife to kill me, all she had to do was stop feeding me. So, and mine and would was just it. feed me more. <laughs> yes, this explains much as you look at the two of us, right?
3: It really does. <laughs> so that is the short and dirty story of how Raconteur Press started. And honestly, I'm my, my business card, which I didn't realize I was getting, uh, says stands out front and looks pretty. <laughs> mm.
1: Which is a great business card. Yeah, let's
3: be honest. And, and you, had, for, you just actually
1: had a brand new one. Did it? Is it out now? The um, the pinup noir. Yes,
3: pinup yeah. noir is out. out we were actually Steve Diamond is actually uh, one of the uh, anchor yeah. anchor stories in there. Yep, that's me. And. and? Also, and, and yeah, this other guy, Jack Mr. Tyler, producer Jack, yes, is also in it. A story he, in it. He actually Here's Jack, the first story, right? Jack sent one of the first stories to arrive after we put out the call for Pin Up Noir.
1: Yeah, I proofread that one. He sent that to me to Alpha Read, and it was really good. Yes, and he, he was did. really nervous too because he's been reading my stuff for the last 17 years.
3: He, he, <laughs> he sent it in, and I got it, and I read it. It's like, oh my god, yeah, it's really a good um, story, and then I. I because I'm new at this, I did not cuddle my authors and tell them this is good. It's just, oh my God, know, Yo, Courtney, you got to read this, and then we forgot about Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and I get this little this little messenger uh, message a little while later. Did you like the story? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes, we love it. <laughs> yes, it's in the book. It's in the book. Yeah, because I I gave
1: I gave honest feedback, like as if there had been any. Written by anybody else, I mean, pretending it wasn't mm-hmm. the the you know producer Jack's name on it, and it was really good. Yes, so was. for you guys listening at home right now, uh, if you want to see what producer Jack and um, Steve's in there, but you guys have read Steve. Well, yeah, but you what producer Jack can write this is it's it, it's pin up noir and uh,
3: pin it, up noir was actually one of the ones that Courtney the the challenge that <laughs> that started Rack and Press. That was one of the ones when she challenged you, know, put out a call for three anthologies to see what you get. And Pin-Up Noir was actually one of them. And we got it off of a uh, Greg Hildebrandt pin-up.
2: Yeah, that picture's great. Yes. That is yes. a really good picture. It's I, great.
3: I really wanted it, and we're looking at it. And I'm, I'm learning a lot of things as a publisher. One, that Amazon's a bunch of prudes. Yeah. And would not. Amazon's like, oh, mm, mm, panties. Really? Yeah, Amazon panties. You cannot. Oh, I had no idea. At,
2: yeah. I wondered because because when. Okay, so what happened was Courtney shanghai me. At LTUE. You too. I uh, know. <laughs> I was minding my own business. I was minding my own business. I had my coffee clutch last second that no one advertised at that convention because they're mean. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there having a great conversation and she comes over and, and she like strong arms me. Mm-hmm. She threatens me. She mm-hmm. threatened to beat me up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she held a gun to me and she was like, hey, <laughs> how come you haven't written for us? And at that point, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I have to say yes. And so I said, oh, well, that's great. Well, like, what are we talking about? She's like, well, how about Noir? And I'm like, well, man, I really like Noir. I really, really like Noir.
3: Your story is fantastic.
2: Well, and then I'm like, oh, when's it due?
3: Ah, in two weeks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, how many words? 8,000. Okay, I mean, I can make that work. I'm unemployed. What else am I going to do today?
1: You, you guys notice that's a recurring theme on this show of, of uh, short story deadlines. We've heard this story so many times from so many different people in so many situations. <laughs> When's it due? Five days from now. You know, it's like over and over again. This is, so there's a lesson there, guys. If you want to be someone's short stories, get good at sh- turning them around quick. Yeah.
2: But you know, that for, for me, the interesting thing was when I I, I kind of thought, okay, well, I, I, I don't know. I'll see... I'll see what the prompt says on the website, because um, because you guys have all of the all of the submission, uh, well, all of the upcoming anthologies posted on your website.
3: Actually, we have the, the next six months. we're, just, we're keeping it just down six, six months, on, six months of a time. Okay. Because, yeah. and
2: that's which man. If you're if you're an up and coming author, which so many of you in the Writer Dojo are, and so many of you have published your stories with 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 Rackenter Press, and mm-hmm. man, some of your first sales have come through these guys, and it's man. Larry Larry and I we can't we can't even begin to tell to tell well first you know our reader our listeners how proud we are of you guys for that but also for you know for you guys you know Ian for for you and your crew like how much it means to us that that you like you know you took chances
1: on our guys you know what I mean I believe in the last your last one every single one was every single person in the anthology was a member of the Writer Dojo Facebook
3: Actually, it has been po- a couple. Uh, if not every one of them, the vast majority have been Writer Dojo. Yeah. Well, yeah, There we you go. A couple of there them. you go,
1: guys. That's a good place to submit to right no there. No joke.
2: But, uh, you know, I, I, I went on the website and I saw the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, oh, yeah. Like, pfft, I got this. Like, how can I not write a story about this? Right, uh, and and I've been dying to write this cyberpunk kind of character, the synthetic human for freaking years. I'm like, man, this is my opportunity to write this character, and, and so I did, and I had a blast. But I had no idea that that's why the cover changed. now not not to take anything away from the current cover, because oh, well, no, the, the current, current cover is rad. It is awesome. I love it. But um, oh, that's crazy. I had yeah.
3: no idea. Amazon Amazon's kind of prudish. Her panties are showing. You cannot... Too much cleavage, too much leg, Amazon will, Amazon will not let you run that cover. I mean,
2: but you just described all of noir. Man. Shirtless dudes are good to go,
1: though. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a whole genre. Yeah.
3: So, uh, I actually emailed Greg Hildebrandt and said, "I would. That, how much would it cost me? I can't afford this. How much would it cost me for you to do a cover in this style? And he never got back to me. Mm. And Cedar said, I got this. And it's like, she crushed it yeah no kidding she crushed and it you look at cedar and she's little this little motherly thing it's like there's no way and i was thinking oh okay well we'll see what cedar and then she showed me the first one. It's like oh my god yes that one yes
2: all right well we got to take a quick break really quick um when we come back we'll continue the conversation we'll talk about uh you know what some of the challenges were and 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 i guess you know what some of the benefits were in, in the the surprises i guess is along the travel as we can well
1: and also so I, I would like to get into some of the nuts and bolts business stuff absolutely that's like, like the challenges are, that you faced to to kind of like go down this road if anybody else is thinking about trying this yeah. all right
2: so uh give us a second uh listen to our lovely commercials by the people that i don't know who they are yet and uh we'll have a good time we'll be right back
0: Jebediah Huckleberry Smith spent his entire life searching for the raider who mutilated him as a child. Finally, giving up on a trail long grown cold, he leaves his outlaw past behind and starts over in a remote town in Wyoming. One dark night, his ranch is attacked by a mysterious and ferocious beast from a world lost to time. Only Jebediah's savagery and skills save him. Now, teaming up with a beautiful but naive paleontologist, they stand in his adopted town and its destruction by an army of barbaric prehistoric apes and dinosaurs. But Jed's past has come back to haunt him. The man he searched for is discovered in a position of power, and Jed must choose. Revenge for his past, or the salvation of strangers. Either way, bullets will fly and blood will be spilled. West of Prehistoric by Eric Testerman is available on Amazon, Pick up your copy today.
2: Alright everybody, welcome back. Okay, second half of the episode. Okay, first half, we we got all of our laughs out of the way. I promise there will be no more humor in the back half of this episode. It will all be serious. Serious, serious business. (sighs) Okay, that's probably not going to happen. So... All right, well, I, you know, Larry ended the top half of the episode with, with some some intriguing thoughts, and that has to do with nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. all right? What are some of the crazy, bizarre, weird challenges that we've had to deal, well, that you've had to deal with in starting to press? Stuff that, man, you didn't even know you didn't know when you started.
3: The biggest one was self-imposed. Okay. Um, I'd heard horror stories of traditional press, and I wanted to make sure that we, if I, was, if I was going to press run a press, I was not going to run one like traditional press. I was going to be open with sales, and as open as it could be with uh, how much money was coming in. And we, we were batting things around, and we discovered PubShare. And PubShare, they, they handle uh, they handle the accounting. Um, Chuck at PubShare has been a lifesaver multiple times. But PubShare is what has enabled us, if you're one of our authors, you can see how many books we sold. You can see what your percentage is, and you can see what your estimated next royalty check is going to be. And you can, ba- you can balance all that. And we're about, we are as open as right now I can figure out how to be.
1: Yeah, because we've, we've seen cases where publishers will straight up lie. We, we, we they've been caught lying about how many books they sell mm-hmm. in order to not pay royalties.
3: Now, one caveat: we are using Amazon's numbers, or or PubShares using Amazon's numbers. So if Amazon's cooking them books, I. <clears throat> but everything from Amazon down is clear and open. Mm-hmm. Our finances are open. If you are one of our authors, you know how many books we sold. You know what your percent, what your cut is. And, you know, you can see how much money you've made, et cetera, et cetera, Um, which was, that was, that was a big one. And, and PubShare, I I would not be able to handle, my squirrels could not handle accounting. I'm not Larry Correa. Accounting is not something I can do. It's fine. We're all crazy down here.
1: I don't know if I could do it anymore.
3: I, I add two plus two more than three times and I'll get four different results. Well, I mean, that's the old
2: accounting joke. One plus one's whatever you want it to be.
1: Yeah, it's like who's paying me? <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so okay, so so right out the gate, and, and I hope that you know, for our listeners out there who are considering going down this route, starting a new publisher, and, and man, I hope that some of our listeners go that route. Okay, yes. You know, I mean, we need more. We need more venues. We need more places for people to publish. There, we need more options definitely need more options okay so the financial aspect tracking of Mm -hmm. of that data to to
3: allow the individual author to Mm -hmm. know how many books were sold what we're selling them for what your percentage is and if you've got enough fingers and you can take off your shoes you can figure out what your cut is sweet
2: okay okay so you so you got that part squared away then what
3: happens Huh. then you start learning about the esoteric ins and outs of publishing with Amazon. Okay. Um, as a, for instance, um, we were discussing the cover of Pin-Up Noir. Yeah, it's uh, the, the original, I wanted to use the original, the, the, uh, the original inspiration was uh, Saturday Night Special by, Grant, by Greg Hildebrandt. It's in its American Pin-Up series. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a glorious, it's a glorious shot, but I discovered very quickly that you can see her Underwear, yeah. And Amazon said, Nine. there will be no underwear on this cover." It's like, but I really wanted. It's so, okay. So we started batting some stuff around, and there's a certain amount of if she's wearing a dress, like Courtney said earlier. There's a certain amount of dress that's got to be showing. Okay. You can't have more than X amount of cleavage, and they'll never tell you what X amount is. It's just, that isn't right.
2: Well, there's a joke in there somewhere.
3: <laughs> Amazon <laughs> is several running jokes. But the, the cover was just startling about how, how Puritan and yet how idiot Amazon can be about covers. Well,
2: I mean, we've got 900 million variants of Fabio. Yes. Uh, shirtless, right?
3: Yes, Amazon, Amazon covers as much like Facebook on community standards. Oh, they yes. have them. They don't tell you what they are until you violate one, and they won't tell you what you violated.
1: And they'll probably change them tomorrow anyway. And, no kidding. My
3: goodness. Okay. <laughs> so that part happens, too. Uh... And then you've got to be careful about... I, I, I never thought I would have to be careful about how we titled a book. Oh, okay. What do you mean? Okay. Okay. Um, One of the things that we've done this year that we probably won't be doing again is at each convention we go to, we're doing these uh, 50-word flash fiction. Mm -hmm. And we name them postcards from something. Postcards Mm -hmm. from Mars. Postcards from LibertyCon. Well, (coughs) the first one we did was postcards from Mars. Not a problem. Postcards, that's important, from Mars. Not a problem. We get everything, it runs through. I think the second one went okay. Third one postcards nope not gonna you can't publish this well why not because you're selling postcards not a book no 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 you have you have the draft i I know you have the draft (laughs) you can tell that this is not postcards it has postcards in the title it didn't matter two books ago it matters now
1: it is amazing that that's even a thing
3: it's so dumb <laughs> most of the internet knows how bad I hate monkeys and I do I hate monkeys with a passion they are the devil's oven mitts and I'm pretty sure that I have been cursed with a set of monkeys in a Mumbai boiler room with a flow chart and anytime Raconteur Press puts anything in Amazon they go <laughs> and send it to these three monkeys in this boiler room because they hate me <laughs> oh my gosh Oh my gosh, every
1: production person out there In the world is like, yep yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I gotta say that That's actually educational I have, I have another question coming down this uh, this route It's kind of as a result of Some of the questions we were getting from uh, People on panels earlier mm-hmm. When you are putting this stuff out there And you're producing it, how do you decide on pricing? Like, like what, what was your, and uh, what, what's the decision-making process there?
3: P- part of being, standing out front looking pretty does not involve math. Oh,
1: nice. So
3: I have people, I have minions to do that for me. And I'd like to introduce minion number one.
4: Ah. Uh, hi, I'm Courtney. I uh, write and edit as C.D. Walter. Um, and I am minion number one. It's my job to make the math work and to say No. Um, and I say, I say no a lot. Um, but so the question specifically about pricing, uh, one of the things I do is I look at where the market is. Um, so a lot of our stuff is, um, a lot of people will think they don't have a, a comp, but there's always something that's like you, mm-hmm. um, or that you want to be like and put it with. So I will go and see what the market will bear. And I tend to price our stuff, uh, right in the middle of the sweet spot. And there are reports that you can get um, that I do. I buy them uh, every month. And they will tell you what genre is priced at what and where the, you get the most sales for. Okay. Um, and so I will, that's where, our, that's where our numbers come from. I put everything in the sweet spot so I can make sure we get the most sales per book.
1: So you can see, like, so, so in this genre, things at a dollar ninety nine sell at this rate. Things that are two ninety nine sell at this rate, mm-hmm. kind of so on and so forth. Okay.
4: Yeah, and there's there's some where say like if you if you have this many pages and sell at this price, you're likely to sell at about this rate. Oh,
2: and, so it's that granular. Then. Oh, it's
4: it's uh, it's fantastic. I love I love Kalytics. Um, I yeah. recommend everybody who wants to get into this to go and read them and learn how they work. Okay. Um, and they will say, you know, your genre sells best at four ninety nine if you have two hundred and fifty pages, and if you have this number of pages, you you should probably be here because you'll actually make more money for fewer sales.
0: Gotcha. How much?
1: How much does um, because we're going into page counts and stuff here. But um, how much difference does it make, like name recognition of the authors you have, like on the masthead, for that? Cause, like, so can you get like a like if you have more. Recognizable authors on, on your anthology, do you reach a little higher on that, or do you still stick with what the analytics are going with?
4: It doesn't make a difference. Really? Yeah, it really won't. Um, because the, you look at who's selling at where, and if you have the really big authors with the masthead, they're all the ones that are doing uh, traditional publishing, so they're going to have the big push from the bigger houses, and so they can price higher because that's what they've trained their readers to pay. we are an independent small press and our readers have been trained at a lower price but part of it is we don't have all the overhead that big traditional publishers do
2: oh so yeah so so that offsets that and so your, your profit margins go higher then
4: our books gotcha. go much better, yeah, yeah, and our yeah. authors get paid. I think better than some of the anthologies I've seen.
1: So. That's yeah. actually really interesting because, oh, yeah. as as the two accountants were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." No, no, so I, I you, find yeah. that stuff oh. fascinating because my only experience in putting together anthologies have been you know uh, traditional published ones, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of a different it's kind of a different process, and a lot of that for us is more. Who can we get on that masthead? Because the pricing for us is kind of predetermined by the market that we're in, because there's a there's just norms, you know. Um, and so for us, the desire the, is, there, is like, can I get Laurel K. Hamilton into this anthology or can I get David Weber into this anthology? And then I do that, and it's all of a sudden I was like, ooh, very cool, you know? The fact that you guys do the share is really interesting to me because um, I've been in a lot of anthologies, like a lot, a lot, a lot of anthologies. And and I've talked about this on the show before. I can count on my fingers how many of those anthologies I've actually gotten paid for after the initial you know, first one. So in this case, there's not an initial first you know, upfront per word fee. It's just what did we sell,
4: mm-hmm.
1: which is interesting, too, because that then behooves all every author in it to actually get off their butt and go promote.
4: Everybody has a stake in it, and that's part of why we want to do this. Is so everybody has a stake in it. It's not just I gave you my stories and I'm I'm checking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want people to to own the the anthologies and um, we our first story, our first anthologies still sell every month. So if you're in our first anthology, you're still getting money every month. And when and, did that
2: first anthology come out?
4: April of two thousand and twenty-two. So okay. just okay. Over,
2: so a ago. over a year So we're over a year and yet and yet you're it's still, still getting selling. Paid. Yep. See, that, see, that's good. That, that's really good for, for those of you who are out there listening. That's really, really important to have that long tail on your sales.
3: And one of the things, we are, we call our, our baby authors chicklets. And uh-huh. we, tell, we tell them we love you, now get out. Um, what what our standard contract is, you give us a, a short story for an anthology. We have it for a year. Mm-hmm. After a year, rights revert to the author. We will continue to pay you as long as we can scrape together $10 for a check. If the profits are less than $10, Publisher won't pay. Right, right. right. Until it gets, then you'll get a check. Mm -hmm. And we tell them, okay, get, after a year, you get your story back, and then give us more. And after the year, and once you get 10 stories, publish your own anthology, get paid for the whole thing, and we still pay you, and get out of the nest.
1: Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I've done collections, and I, honestly, it's one of the best things ever. And people don't realize it's just a whole extra title under your name out there in your backlist. You're double and dipping. It, yep. And no if and you're on. double dipping, theoretically, you got paid the first time. Um, now, now, I will say the downside of the profit sharing ones is if you get kind of like a dud anthology and you did that because like I I have known people who've done that and they like and, the, and then their total of the profit share was like twenty six dollars for their for their ten thousand word story, you know, that they did. And that happens sometimes. It's well, just a roll of the dice.
3: And with Rack and Press, what we're doing, where you're putting out so many, and the the authors in the first one, which was Go Malta, are selling Pinup Noir. Pinup Noir is selling. If we have a dud, the twelve others that we that we put out that year will cover that dud.
1: See, that's smart. And it's funny because a lot of the a lot of the places that do this, they don't. One of the things we've harped on the show is the fact that if you keep creating new, it boosts your old stuff. Right. And i've I've seen I've seen some one of the flaws I've seen with some of the small presses is they'll produce a book, and they'll have like the book of the month, just boom, 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 boom. They're producing, but then their backlist stuff they don't sell anymore. It just vanishes. It vanishes. It's all about whatever the new thing is. And I'm like, guys, that is just like you. You got this perfectly good product out there. And theoretically, is if you're growing your audience, that perfect—that's people who are going to go buy that perfectly good product the first time. So the fact that you guys are still selling the first one is—I mean—that's good. That's—that's—that is definitely a misstep that I see a lot of people make.
3: Every everyone here knows Ben Yellow.
1: Oh yeah, Ben is Ben, ben, ben Yellow. Is ben
3: Yellow is fantastic, and he has—he will go into these glorious um, tales of the old pulp fiction magazines. Did you? His mom won a Nobel Prize. Yes.
1: Isn't that crazy?
3: Yeah. <laughs> and these old pulp fiction magazines that launched so many of the golden age, you know, the science fiction authors. And he came up to us at a con, I forget which one, and said that what we're doing is recreating the old pulp. And it's like, Holy crap, we are.
1: Yeah, you're you're trying to do, you know, amazing stories and black mask and that kind of general idea. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the, the, the promotion bit where where everybody has incentivized for promotion is huge. I've seen many times with traditional anthologies, they'll get a big name author, get him an anthology, he'll write the story, it's fire and forget. And then he doesn't even tell his fans about it, because it's like, eh, whatever, I did my thing, I did my job, I'm done. And I've seen authors do that with books, too. And it's like, guys, you right there are missing the biggest and greatest opportunity ever. Uh, it's all about connecting to your fans, and the fact that so Rec and Tour, you guys are building that fan base. Mm-hmm. You're building that cadre. The main reason I'm successful, I mean, I, I I think I'm okay, but is I've got, yeah, you know, whatever. But I got this, I got a cadre of people who are reliable, excited for my stuff to come out. And if you get that boost right out the beginning to move you up in the views and get eyes on, uh, and it's all about the name. So I'm like, like, Bane, people know the name. So I think you guys are on the right path, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Oh.
4: I think one of the things that we've done really well with this um, is we've, we've titled our, our the anthologies are part of a series. And so when someone, if someone catches up, like Pin Up Noir, right, that people really like that one. Well, what else did they put out? You go to Amazon, you hit Racken Press, and it's book 12 of a 12-book series. And so they can go, and they can go, oh, and buy the entire backlist at once. Mm-hmm. And they're getting a whole bunch of different stuff. It's like being able to go to amazing stories and buying the last year's worth of magazines. Right. And that's very, and that's a lot of what we're trying to do is get them to do that, so it's all connected.
1: Well, and the key to the key to is, that, is the quality because if they if they if you keep the quality up, mm-hmm. and people people read that and they're like, okay, I know that with this name, I equate it with this level of quality. And, and, and one of the traps I've seen some of the small presses fall into, and it's a sec, I love, I love some of these guys, but they'll churn, they'll churn and burn, and they'll turn out stuff that's subpar, and then people start to conflate that with the name. Yeah, it's, it's you know? quality
2: over quantity. One,
3: one, yeah, of the, yeah. one of the great things that we're finding is the word of mouth um, is spreading so much that we we haven't had an anthology yet, that we put out that didn't go into uh, number two, number three, and sometimes number four. We get that many good stories, and we w- we've turned down we've turned down bad stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we've we've had. Um, I've turned out a lot more than the, the ladies have. But hey, we've, do, we
1: do. you find like a personal level? Do you find that really hard? Yes. Speaking as an editor, I mean, cause I've done. I, it, it breaks my heart. I hate everyone.
3: <laughs> yeah, and Jonna, helped me help me nail it down. It's we we've got we are known for certain thing. Yeah. Um, and you know we get this. which I to this day one of the first ones that I went oh hell no um, was a Wokish screed.
1: Yeah.
3: And it's like it's, I think they were daring me to publish it. And it's like I'm sorry, this is this is not what to Press is looking for, but we'll help you self-publish if you want. You can publish on your own, and nope, that they never contacted me back. No, oh,
1: that was yeah. I, I I was thinking more because that's like a, that's like that's like hey, stick your face in this bear trap, you know? No, 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 no thank you. Well, obviously, got like like the genuinely like that. They're they're trying really hard. Yes, yeah. and they're, they're well intentioned. I just as an editor, so I mean, I am not a mean person.
3: If if you want, <laughs> if you want to watch three ladies in an agony of decision, mm. is um, we close we will close the postcard submissions um, at the the Monday that the con ends. Oh, and, and then, then you got to go over and the pile. Then or... They have to go over a pile, and we are getting for. We are getting a, a amazing ton of really good that we've got to cut down.
1: Yeah. Yep.
3: And Jonna will be almost in tears over you know this is so good and they'll 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 start going okay you know how many have forty nine words out? Yep. How many have fifty one words out? They'll break it down to fifty. Yeah, and then it's, this does this tell a story in fifty words in five zero words? No, it's out. Yes, it does, but it's not as good as this one.
1: Yep. It's 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 weighing and, and it's looking flaws. And I, I've done contest judging, you know, for like the and Fantasy Award. It's the same kind of thing, and I got dozens of great stories, ranging between you know like like a C, B, or an A, and we're looking for the A plus. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of these are like, dude, I know this guy put his heart and soul in the story, and this is this is a good story, but it's not the right one you know and, and and it's just i have to break that news to that guy that's why i like teaming up with somebody else i like team up with casey ezell yeah yeah so casey <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Hey. So mean. you said you weren't a mean person but come
1: on man well no i mean casey's but casey's hardcore man you can fly in helicopters into combat she, she's like I, I i got this boom you're out
4: <laughs> casey will cut you, casey will cut you. Uh, but one thing that I actually like about it is you get the guys who they've put their heart and soul in this, and it's not quite there and it gives me the opportunity to say you know what this is a fantastic effort you need to refine it a little bit keep working on your craft and send me the next one and I really do mean keep working on your craft and send me the next one I want you to be the best author you can possibly be and so I don't like rejecting people out of hands um so sometimes it's like, this just does not fit with what I've got. I'm really sorry. Try good luck somewhere else. But sometimes it's like, I want you to be better. And so it's, it's not me being mean. It's me helping. Yeah. It's like telling my kids, oh, you didn't wash the dishes properly. Let me show you how to do it again. And then we're going to do it again. I'm, I'm building baby authors to, to be the, adult authors. The thing
3: authors. with Raconteur is we are publishing so many anthologies <laughs> right. that they, they know that, hey, you know, she's not. Courtney's not giving you the traditional publishing two-step. If she says that we'll try again, we've got eight more anthologies coming out. There's a good in one of these eight. There's a good chance you'll get in if, yeah, if you work at it.
1: And everything. Every time you do this, you get a little bit better. You learn a new thing. And each each book I write, I get a little better. Each story mm-hmm. I write, I get a little better. It's the same thing for all of us. And so maybe it's this isn't your shot on this one, but two anthologies from now. Go for it again. We've well, got
3: we've got people have, that have entered every postcards we've done and been rejected and are trying again.
2: Well, I mean, Respect. gosh, I've I've you know I've written quite a few. I mean, not Larry levels of short stories now, but you know I've written quite a few You've written short quite stories. A few. Yeah, uh, published quite a few short stories, and you know, every time I submit to an anthology, I'm giving it my best. Mm-hmm. You know, either either out of fear because you know I'm on the I'm on the you know I'm on the table of contents with like freaking Jim Butcher or something and I'm like okay okay just don't be the worst author in this anthology not, we can do it you know or um, you know or an anthology where I see maybe I don't know who's in it I'm like okay what if the story I write is my best story yep and and the people who, who review it after the fact say that was the best
1: story in the anthology. Or like when Hinckley beat me, David Weber, and Laurel K. Hamilton to have the highest reviewed yeah. story. Hin- my daughter, who at the time was like 18, 19, uh, 19, uh, yeah, 20, right. I can't remember, whatever. And she beat me, and she beat David Weber, and there she beat Laurel K. Hamilton. There you Holy go. Holy crap. You know, so...
2: Yeah, well, and like, you know, for my, my story for pin Noir... You know, I look at that and I'm like, man, this is one of the coolest stories I've
1: ever written. That's awesome.
3: That I am so proud of Pinup Noir. I really am. It's so good. The, the, everything from the cover to the stories, the stories, and I, is this public knowledge yet? We're, we have enough stories that we were probably running a Pinup Noir three. Right. I mean, we we get so many, we get so many submissions. I keep telling, I keep telling, all right, this is whatever we're doing. You know. Vagabonds in Space. This will be the one Vagabonds in Space anthology. Fifteen and I, minutes later. <laughs> and I, I, walk, I, walk in the, I walk in the shop two weeks later and they're giggling at me. It's well, like, what? what? Well, we're going for Vagabonds 2.
1: You guys actually kind of stumbled into something that me and producer Jack talked about, if you remember this, about ten years ago. Eight, ten years ago we talked about this. And it was the, 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 the dearth of markets to submit short stories to. And because there are some, and a lot, but there's some of them are very, very specific, mm-hmm. and they're looking for very, very specific things, and and then anthologies from traditional publishers, those are great, but there's only so many a year. Bayon does more than most publishers, and we do what, maybe maybe ten a year, right? So the market was there. So we actually talked about this eight, 10 years ago. We actually had an idea that we kind of fell by the wayside because we. We have a lot of side hustle ideas we think about. We thought about creating a, creating a, a clearinghouse yeah. for people to submit short fiction to.
0: I remember
1: this one. Yeah, we I, I talked about because Steve's an accountant, so we, yeah. I talked about this Steve about this is I, But honestly, the time has moved on, technology's moved on, Amazon has changed, and I think honestly, what you guys are doing here with like kind of the rapid fire um, changing changing themes, uh, like rotating themes. For short fiction market, constant submissions, the, the fact you're getting so many quality submissions shows that, that it is viable that there is a market out there of people who want to write short fiction and people who want to read it. And so mm-hmm. I think you guys have wandered into territory that's got a ton of really great potential.
3: I'm not so sure wandered has stumbled.
1: Pushed, tripped, (laughs) tripped,
2: tripped, walked in, whacked your head on it. Someone threw a black bag over your head and dragged you
1: in by the feet, fell down the stairs. It's like you walked into a ceiling fan.
4: I want to read short stories. Oh, that sounds like fun. How do we do that? I don't know. Let's go find some.
1: Let's go form a business and and get four thousand of them a year. No, the markets out there. People really, in, 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 in like so, Ben Yellen talked about the history of the pulps. That's the thing; people have always really enjoyed that short fiction. Yeah. Oh gosh, we were talking about that with with Howard Andrew Jones. Yeah, just just a little because bit. Because Howard's doing a magazine for sword and sorcery, and I think that it, that that audience is out there. Mm-hmm. People are hungry for that bite sized fiction. Also, we're heading into a generation of people who their ability to read novels has been ruined by Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So if you can start bringing it back with smaller, you know, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000 words and you get them into that, great. Yeah. I think that's fantastic.
3: One of the things that, one of the, the core principles that we're doing here at and I'm, I'm talking about the chicklets, about kicking them out of the yeah. nest, yeah. is we're, we're getting, when you submit to us, you need to follow a guideline. Courtney will do a guideline. It's five to 8,000 words, 12-point uh, font.
2: I'll have everyone know it is brought to my attention today at my reading that I was literally the only person in pinup noir that was under the word count threshold <laughs> by three words because like Larry I have learned that when there is a submission like a top-shelf kind of line you go right up to it to maximum or look we're accountants we min max Lost, get right up there. Last Planet Homicide. Lost Planet
1: Homicide. They paid me a, a fantastic per word rate, to up to twenty thousand words. It was nineteen thousand nine hundred and ninety nine words. Yes.
2: And after I read it, I gave it back to you. It was twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it just broke up a contraction. It was really easy. But yeah, yeah. follow the submission guidelines. This is and a we're, skill. We're,
3: we're teaching them every time they turn it. Every time they turn in uh, stuff for us, and we have a lot of authors turning in multiple. They want to hit multiple anthologies. Every time they do, they are following the rules, the guidelines, mm-hmm. which is what the big traditional guys want. So we're sort of like the training wheels. And then by the time you get done with us, the training wheels come off, and you can actually go and you know to a slush pile and maybe have a better shot.
1: Farm league? I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be triple A, Larry. Triple sports a. ball? Yeah, fans out there. I don't know sports ball. I know USPSA, IDPA, and three gun. Beyond that, I'm confused. Well, and and, and we
2: were kind of we were kind of gabbing here a little bit here and there, and, and it's one of the things that Dave Butler says. It's it, again baseball. I love baseball. Everything goes back to baseball for me, and that's um, the idea of getting on base, on base percentage, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the 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 more often you get on base, the more often you are to score. Okay, that's that's that statistical fact in baseball. They made a whole thing about this, you know, statistics. People have their jobs based on this. Teams have won World Series based on this concept. And so the more often you get on base, the more credits you have to your name, the more likely you are to um, to gain potential other opportunities to contribute. Um, like you said, Ian, you know, learning how to freaking follow the directions.
3: Build, building good habits says to follow in directions. That's right. Because... We see a lot of stuff. We we put out uh, uh, fairly specific. We're we're a little more we're more flexible than most because we're, we're a small independent publisher okay. um, and we'll get people you know it's like no it, do not send anything comic sans. <laughs> the third submission I get that crosses my threshold in the next week will be in Comic Sans. <clears throat> Can't follow directions. Nice right. try. Um, and we're we're trying to build good habits. If, you, if, you're, if you're constantly turning in, Evan DeChase, uh, one of our authors, he yeah. is <clears throat> he's going to be the first one of our chicklets to have his own 10-story anthology just on stuff he's given us. Manny um, Ratliff, right his head, in that way, too. Um, they are learning good. Every time they turn in and get accepted, they're learning good habits. These habits will help them in their writing career. That makes me happy.
2: Well, you know, actually, in fact, um, after the, I think it was the first Space Cowboy anthology... Um, where a, a bunch of the writer dojo folks, had, well, actually everyone in the mm-hmm. writer dojo, that that whole list was, was from our, mm-hmm. you know, our fan base here, uh, and our listeners, and then a couple of them had already been notified that they were in the follow up, mm-hmm. and so then of course the very next one of the questions we get immediately on the show was, hey, uh, I mean, suddenly I'm, getting stories published and that's rad, but. Uh, man, what, what do I need to start thinking about about putting together my own collection? And we're like, well, I mean, the first rule of this is to give yourself a high five. You know, because that's awesome. Good freaking job. Mm-hmm. Because out there, there are so many people that they get scared to even, to even write. They get, and then they're even more scared to submit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, 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 you know, that's part of what Larry and I have been doing is trying to demystify all this. And, and you know, that's part of why we wanted to have you guys on the show is to to help people understand, like, man, this is not rocket surgery. Mm -mm. If you can follow directions and you can hone your crap, like, you know, like what Courtney was saying, like, hey, look, maybe this story is good, but maybe it's not all the way there yet, but, man, you keep doing, if you keep trucking, you can get there. And so, boy, uh, you know, our our 30-minute episode uh has has gone on for just one or two minutes over um as happens but you know look a, a part of that's because you can you can tell we enjoy talking with you mm-hmm. um you know we're, we're all in good this has been fun we're all in good company we're all friends here you know and 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 you know on a professional level we all respect each other and 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 I think we all trust each other and I think that's even higher but at some point, we have to stop the episode. <laughs> Mainly, I think, because um, m- my wife's very
1: tired. We're in Steve's hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> His poor wife and yep. kid are trapped
3: here. The, the microphone I was speaking, I was actually propped on a book on top of a bed.
1: But which, <laughs> but which book?
3: Um, Robert E. Howard, The Horror Stories of. And I, so, you know what? That's
2: good stuff. A very worthy book to be right there. All right, but look. In all seriousness, thank you, Law Dog. Courtney, thanks for being tagged in like WWE. I am Law Dog Stunt Double.
4: I'm I do it all You're the time. muscle for
3: it. I, I have introduced her at panels as my Stunt Double and then left and then out the side door.
4: <laughs> but look, we,
2: we really appreciate you all making the time for us. We know schedules are wonky, and, and so thank you guys so much for coming on up. you Spending welcome. some time gabbing with us, joking with us, having fun. But, you know, spouting out such really interesting good salient details for our listeners out there some of which man we didn't even know like we're like okay oh, kind of, you know larry and i are kind of looking at each other going oh that's kind of some gee whiz stuff that's neat so uh, we, we appreciate you guys thank you so much for coming up oh thank us. you for having us all right well unfortunately that's all the time we have we'll get you guys back on at some other point well, <laughs> uh, but look this is the
0: Rider dojo and we'll see you on the next one Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa, produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries, by Craig Naibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Shut it, we're not doing that. It's time to go drink. <laughs>